Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining today's webinar. I'm Elizabeth Kerr from Business Forward, and I'll be moderating our conversation today. Currently, all lines are in listen-only mode. We're pleased to welcome Garielli Rodriguez and Arusha Gordon from the Lawyers Committee for Civil Rights Under the Law. And they're here today to talk about how to prevent, recognize, and respond to discrimination in the workplace. This is an interactive briefing, so after the presentation, we will have time for your questions and comments. For those of you who are new to our programming, Business Forward organizes local roundtables, Washington fly-ins, conference calls, webinars, and media trainings for more than 100,000 business leaders across the country. And at these briefings, entrepreneurs, investors, small business owners, and executives get the chance to brief policymakers on issues affecting their businesses and how Washington can work with better with businesses to accelerate the economy. We also do trainings like those, like the one we're holding today and media trainings as well. To date, more than 600 mayors, governors, members of Congress, and senior administration officials have participated in our programming, and that's thanks to the support of more than 60 of America's largest and most respected companies and foundations. Before we get started, I need to cover a few housekeeping items. First, as part of the email you received at, um, when you registered for this event, you should see something that says Open Visual Interface. Click on that link and you can view today's presentation. The slides are also available on the Business Forward website, which is businessfwd.org. Just look for the post advertising event. Uh, as I mentioned, there'll be time for questions and comments after Darielli and Arusha speak. And you can participate in two ways. First, you can press one at any time on your telephone keypad to be entered into the queue to ask a question live or you can email your question to us at info at businessfwd.org, and I will read it out loud. Um, again, you can press 1 to be entered into the queue to ask your question live, or you can email your questions to info at businessfwd.org. You can also type your questions into the chat box in the webinar. Um, when you email a question or when, you introduce, when we call on you, please introduce yourself with your name and your business and where you're calling from. Finally, um, just a reminder that this webinar is on the record. Uh, there may be reporters present. We don't have any registered for the call, uh, but this enables us to provide a recording of the webinar afterwards, so please keep that in mind. With that, let's get started. Please welcome Darielli and Arusha. Please go ahead. Thank you so much, Elizabeth, and thank you to the full team at Business Forward. Uh, my name is Arusha Gordon, and I'm joined here with Darielli, uh, and we are attorneys with the Lawyers Committee for Civil Rights Under Law, which is a national organization founded at the request of President John F. Kennedy at the height of the civil rights movement to help bring lawyers into the fight for equal justice. Um, I just wanted to provide a quick roadmap for today's conversation. We'll move on with a few more introductions, um, and then Darielli and I will give some background on the topic today, as well as a legal overview, and then we'll dive into business obligations practices for fighting workplace discrimination. And then in the last part of the presentation, we'll discuss some hypotheticals uh, based off real life examples, as well as uh, some suggested action items for proactively fighting hate in the workplace. And then we'll end with some resources and open it up for Q&A. Darielli, next slide. Good afternoon, everybody, and thanks for having us. We're really excited to be providing this presentation to you all. Um, the, the next slide has our disclaimer, uh, just to let you know that this presentation does not constitute legal advice, uh, but instead we're just providing general legal information that we hope will be helpful to you as you um, go back to your businesses and work with both employees and customers. 
Um, so there is no attorney-client relationship that will be created by us providing this information. Um, and we uh, encourage you to consult and retain an attorney if you have a specific um, matter that you need to consult an attorney with. Um, so I head up our, uh, so this is Darielli Rodriguez. I head up our economic justice project here at the Lawyers Committee. And the economic justice project is uh, focused on um, uh, targeting economic inequality in a variety of realms, including in employment. Um, I've been with the Lawyers Committee for about two years now. And prior to working here, I worked as a prosecutor with the New York State Attorney General's Office and the Civil Rights Bureau. And prior to that, I was a management side attorney with uh, two different firms providing advice and counsel and representation to employers across the country of various sizes. Um, so this is Arusha Gordon. Uh, I'm an attorney with the Stop Hate Project here. And the Stop Hate Project was created in the wake of the last presidential election. And the purpose of our project is really to provide community groups, law enforcement, and individuals with the tools they need to counter hate in their communities. Uh, and so we do provide a range of trainings. Um, we provide legal research. We have an active amicus practice. And um, we also work very closely with some law enforcement officials to help educate them about hate in their communities. So we'll just start with a little bit of background on the issue today. As most folks probably know, hate crimes have been on the rise in, um, or reported hate crimes rather, have been on the rise. So we've seen a 5% increase in hate crimes from 2015 and a 10% increase in reported hate crimes from 2014. And I do want to emphasize that, that is uh, those are reported hate crimes. So we, of course, don't know how many hate crimes and hate incidents are going unreported. We also emphasize in the work we do that hate is not new in our country, uh, but that rather it just feels more emboldened in today's climate. And people appear emboldened to act upon their ignorance and intolerance. And that, of course, has an impact in work environments. And I wanted to also just add that one thing that really sets hate crimes and hate incidents apart is the fact that we think of them as messaging crimes because they're based off someone's identity. Um, you know, you're targeting someone based off their gender, their race, their sexual orientation. That means that anyone in that workplace or school or other setting uh, who shares that social identity is also receiving that message. So for instance, if I came into the office tomorrow and someone had put an um, anti-woman type graffiti on my, uh, on my cubicle, that's not just a message to me as Arusha that women do not belong at my organization. It sends a message to everyone who shares my gender identity that they're not welcome in that space. And so that's really one important thing that sets hate crimes and hate incidents apart is the messaging aspect. Just very quickly, we wanted to show a little data from the FBI indicating the types of businesses and locations where hate crimes have occurred. And as you can see from this graph, uh, parking lots are a particularly dangerous area. Um, and across the board, hate crimes occur at different businesses and workplaces. So I'll turn it over now to Darielli uh, for a legal overview. Thanks, Arisha. Obviously, the, um, 
this backdrop doesn't occur in a vacuum and it impacts our workplaces. And so today, what we hope to accomplish is to give you some fundamental tools to have in your toolkit to proactively uh, address and uh, prohibit discrimination, harassment, and intolerance in your businesses and your workplaces. Um, so I think the first thing that business owners and other um, leaders and businesses have to recognize is that they have uh, legal obligations when they are operating their businesses, both with, with respect to employees, the employees that work for them, and also with respect to the customers and the clients that come into your businesses and either buy your products or use your services. Based on my experiences, most businesses tend to heavily focus on the employee aspect, but not so much on the client aspect. And um, the truth is that business owners and uh, executives have obligations with respect to both groups. So with respect to employees, uh, business owners are uh, subject to federal, state, and local laws prohibiting discrimination, including harassment based on various characteristics, uh, such as race, uh, sexual orientation, sex, pregnancy, religion, national origin, disability, age, citizen, uh, citizenship status, and other uh, protected categories. At the federal level, uh, employment anti-discrimination laws apply to employers with 15 or more employees, um, but it's important to note that at the state or local level, that threshold might be lower. Um, so oftentimes, employers are subject to a myriad of laws uh, that prohibit discrimination on the basis of a variety of protected characteristics. In addition to that, there are also federal, state, and local laws that prohibit discrimination in public accommodations. Uh, that prohibit discrimination in public accommodations, such as businesses that are open to the public. And what these laws say is that public accommodations and the business owners who operate them must ensure that they treat all customers equally and fairly. They must provide equal access to the services and the products that they provide. Um, and that they cannot discriminate on the basis of uh, race, religion, national origin, and other protected categories. So what should business owners do? Um, and I recognize that different business, businesses have different resources, right? There may be larger businesses on the line who have a full HR department and have the resources to implement a very thorough employee handbook with many policies that discuss prohibiting discrimination, harassment um, in the workplace and in their business more generally. But there may also be other businesses on the line that do not have a, a robust HR um, practice in place that is able to um, develop all of the policies and, and uh, uh, practices. So as a business owner or as a business leader, what um, obligations do you have and what should you prioritize putting into place? So first and foremost, you have to always remember that you have an obligation to provide a work environment that is free from discrimination and harassment, right? just as we, we discussed in the previous slides. You also have an obligation to treat all of your customers equally and fairly. And eliminating harassment always begins with treating people with respect. Um, and we're talking about employees as well as your clients. Have negative impacts in the workplace and on employee morale, and diversity has benefits, right? We want to ensure that we are developing and creating an inclusive environment 
individuals from different backgrounds um, can come to either your business or your workplace and feel that they are respected, that their opinion will be um, respected, um, and feel that they can be productive uh, employees. Um, and so how do you begin to lay that foundation? Um, I strongly believe that every business should have certain policies in place that clearly um, communicate to employees that discrimination in the workplace will not be tolerated. So if you don't already have such a policy in place, I think it's important to, when thinking about developing that policy, to think about it sort of from like a broad perspective um, and to think about who are the people who can perpetrate harassment or discrimination in your business. It's not, it's certainly something that can happen from employee to employee, but it's also something that can be perpetrated by someone who has no relationship to the business. Um, it could be a third-party vendor who comes into your business every day, for example, a, a UPS delivery person who has um, interactions with your employees, or it could be a customer or a client who comes into your business to purchase an item or um, to receive a service. So what are sort of the major, <coughs> excuse me, major components of a good um, policy prohibiting discrimination or harassment in the workplace? First, I think that each, uh, every policy uh, preventing harassment or discrimination in the workplace should have a clear description of what harassment or discrimination is or isn't. Um, the policy should include examples of what unlawful harassment or discrimination look like. Um, it should explain that harassment or discrimination can be overt or it could be subtle, um, that it can manifest itself either physically, verbally, or non-verbally. Um, it should also describe that it could be motivated by bias, by prejudice, um, or personal hatred towards an individual or towards their um, actual or perceived characteristics. Having these policies in place are very important, um, and it's important that they be uh, drafted, implemented, and disseminated to all employees who work for your business. Just as equally uh, important, important is that it needs to come from the top, right? Um, the leadership within a business has to believe in um, the, the principles that are outlined in the uh, policy. And what a policy will do is that it will tell employees what they should do if they experience harassment or discrimination. Um, the policy ideally should um, discuss a complaint system that employees can utilize if they feel that they have been discriminated or harassed. Um, so the complaint system that should be detailed in the, the policy is something that once it's set up, business owners um, really have to make sure that they follow through on that. It's not going to work if you create a complaint system for your employees and then not follow up on complaints that are made through that process. Obviously, not every business owner is in the business every single day, so it's important to ensure that someone internally at the business is appointed with the responsibility of conducting investigations into uh, complaints that are received by employees. Um, it's also important to appoint someone who can investigate complaints that are received from um, customers or individuals who come into your business and use your services. Um, the person who is appointed at the business to um, have this very important responsibility has to uh, 
understand how to investigate, properly and promptly investigate complaints and how to take appropriate action if necessary. Uh, and then leaders at the business also should take efforts or steps to prevent harassment or discrimination in the workplace, to have conversations about cultural sensitivity, um, to have conversations about different biases that individuals may have. Um, and it's important for uh, supervisors and managers and owners to be mindful of their own biases and how those biases may play out in the day-to-day -day operations of their uh, business. For example, when you're hiring um, employees, when you're promoting individuals, when you're designating assignments for employees, um, it's, it's, it's important to be mindful of biases that you may have and how those biases may play out. Um, so we're going to turn to a few hypotheticals. Uh, the first hypothetical that we have is what if you are a business owner? Uh, let's say you are provi providing uh, accounting services and you have a client who comes in and requests to only work with another man or another woman, someone who has the same uh, gender as, as they do. Uh, how do you handle that? And the answer is you cannot, um, uh, you cannot appease those sorts of requests. Under federal law and under local and state laws as well, uh, employers are prohibited from making decisions based on preferences, preferences based on protected categories. That is illegal. It's illegal to accommodate those types of requests. Um, it's important that if those requests are made, that you should obviously communicate um, your policy to the client or to the customer. Um, and it's important to uh, document the incident and to ensure that your employees know what they need to do if such an incident should arise so that they know how to properly handle it. The, the next hypothetical is um, what if there is a disagreement between two employees? You have two employees with very different political views and they get into a heated argument about politics. How do you respond? Um, and this one, I think the answer is it depends, right? There's nothing wrong with employees with different viewpoints having a conversation about politics. There's nothing wrong about them having an argument or a discussion or a, a debate about their political views. Um, people in the workplace should be able to engage in conversations. However, we need to be mindful that it cannot rise to the level of unlawful harassment based on a protected category. We have to ensure that employees in the workplace that are either involved in these types of um, conversations or who may be close by and are able to hear what is being said, um, that um, they feel respected um, and that they are not offended by, by what is being said. Obviously, if the um, exchange involves any um, type of demeaning language on the basis of someone's protected characteristics, such as their race, their gender, national origin, their religion, um, and someone complains about it, then uh, it's the responsibility of the business owner or the, the business leader to ensure that that incident is appropriately addressed. Um, it's important, I think, to respond to those types of complaints by employee, employees sooner rather than later. Um, because if you let too much time elapse between when an employee makes a complaint and when you start to investigate it, then things could really spin out of control. 
employees will start speaking to one another, morale may drop, um, they may feel as though um, the management is not taking the incident seriously. So it's, it's critical for um, management to ensure that when complaints are made, even if it doesn't rise to the level of unlawful harassment or discrimination, um, that it be taken seriously and that it be looked into, and if necessary, that um, appropriate action is taken. Thanks, Darielli. So now we just wanted to discuss a hypothetical, uh, which is based off a real-life example that some of you may have heard about uh, that occurred in New York City recently. And a, a customer uh, basically entered a restaurant in Manhattan and threatened staff who were speaking Spanish, um, became very aggressive, was very heated, um, started shouting at them, and threatened to call ICE on the Spanish-speaking staff. So the question we really wanted to pose to the group um, to think about is that if this were your business, one, how would you handle the customer in that moment? And two, how would you train your employees to handle a customer such as this? Um, and I know while, you know while some of the um, businesses on the line might not be customer-based, this of course can occur um, on subways or in any other context. So, uh, you know, apart from just customer-based businesses, this is relevant. In general, we encourage people to try and de-escalate this type of situation. And there's a few strategies we and other folks recommend for doing that. One of the main ones is to break the, atten break the tension uh, by, breaking, by, by pulling the attention away from the perpetrator. So there's a few ways you can do that. One, for instance, is to go up to the person being targeted by the abuse um, and start a conversation. So ask them, hey, Darielli, how's the weather? Or um, one that I've actually used recently was to ask them what the time was. They didn't have a watch on, but it still served the purpose of pulling the attention away from the perpetrator and kind of breaking that heated moment. We also encourage people to document the incident. So if your employees or if you feel safe, you might wish to take a photograph of the perpetrator or um, a video. But we do really emphasize that uh, we would not encourage someone to do that if it's going to escalate the situation and um, create more tension. And then we also um, encourage people to save any notes, emails, voicemails regarding the incident. Um, you know, if there's graffiti, to take picture of the graffiti, et cetera. And to really train your employees to do the same, we frequently get people who have been victims of hate, uh, and their initial reaction is just to delete a Facebook comment um, immediately because it's so offensive um, to them. But as hard as it is, it's really important to save that evidence. Third, we note that you and your employees may report the incident, but we really, sorry, report the incident to law enforcement, but we really encourage you to check in with the person who was targeted for the hate before doing that and to really take, uh, to empower them to lead the way on what they would like to do. Some people and some communities might not want to bring in law enforcement. So for instance, if someone's transgendered or undocumented, they might not trust the police or law enforcement, and they may prefer not to have the incident be reported. And fourth, 
We also just encourage folks to take a long-term solution. Um, if you're interested in having a bystander intervention training or another training um, community event around how to respond to incidents like this, please reach out to us um, and we'll provide some resources in a couple slides. We also wanted to provide a few suggested action items for businesses to proactively counter hate and discrimination in the workplace and in your communities. Uh, so here's a bulleted list. It's just a few of the recommendations we pass on. Um, one, one suggestion we have is to write a letter to the editor or an op-ed using your voice as a business leader or as an employee. Um, so for instance, hate is bad for business. And that is particularly important because of the nature of hate crimes and because of their messaging aspect. Again and again, we hear from people who are targeted by hate that because no one spoke up, because bystanders were silent, the assumption is, is that the rest of the community agrees with the uh, animosity coming from the perpetrator. So it's really important to make your voice heard and to speak out against hate. We also uh, encourage businesses to host Know Your Rights workshops, bystander intervention trainings, or community roundtables on hate. And again, you can contact us for help setting those up if you'd like. We've also seen various businesses and municipalities making and displaying inclusive and welcoming messages in the windows of their businesses. So for instance, signs that state, all are welcome here, or prominently displaying a consumer bill of rights. We also have seen businesses help fundraise for repairs or security equipment for organizations or residents that have been vandalized um, by hate. And vandalism is actually the most or one of the most common um, forms of hate crimes. Uh, and so fundraising to get those repairs done is hugely important. Just recently, last year in DC, an LGBTQ center here um, was attacked, I think twice, having its windows broken and graffiti um, sprayed on it. And organizations came together to fundraise for a security camera. So that's one option. Another is to donate your proceeds on a certain day to an anti-hate or community group. Uh, that especially might be of interest for businesses that are in a town or city where white supremacists are holding a rally. So for instance, um, before the Unite the Right rally in DC or Charlottesville, that could be an option um, for businesses who um, want to speak out against the white supremacists who are organizing in their city. And then finally, we encourage people to attend community meetings to stay informed about what's going on uh, with hateful activity and to support businesses that may have been targeted for hate. We just wanted to end with uh, a quick list of different resources. So as I mentioned, uh, I work with the State Stop Hate Project here. And we have a website, 8449nohate.org, and that is also our hotline number um, that you can call and get assistance um, with a training or legal research or other resources that you might need. Um, and Darielle, I'll let you discuss the other resources. Uh, yep, and we've also listed uh, the Society for Human Resource Management, which I'm sure is a resource that many of you are already familiar with, but um, I don't necessarily endorse information that they may have on their website, but it might be a good place to start if you're thinking about developing certain policies and procedures. Um, if you have questions about other places where you might be able to find template 
um, anti-discrimination, anti-harassment policies, please reach out uh, and happy to uh, point you in the right direction. The ABA, I think, is also a good uh, resource for materials on workplace harassment and discrimination. And the Crisis Prevention Institute, I think that's one that maybe you're familiar with. But. Yeah, they also um, would have possible resources that might be helpful, um, especially in heightened situations. Again, this is sort of just a, a high-level overview of what we think are some uh, fundamental policies and procedures that all business owners should have in place. Um, and then beyond that, uh, just some uh, suggested action items that business owners and leaders can take in their community to actively combat hate. Um, and we look forward to receiving your questions. Uh, great. Thank you. Uh, as a reminder, if you'd like to ask a question, you can either press 1 on your telephone keypad or you can email us your question at info at businessfwd.org and I'll read that question aloud for you. Uh, we don't have anybody uh, live yet, uh, but I do have a number of email questions I'm going to start with. Um, first, this is a quick and easy one. Uh, this is from Joseph, Joseph Lynn in Florida and he asks, you mentioned the all are welcome here sign. Is this something we would make ourselves? or are they available through yours or another organization? Yeah, um, that's a great question. So you can definitely contact us. I know there are a number of places you can order them from, um, and so I'm happy to put you in touch with, the, with organizations that can um, send you some of those signs. Um, great. Um, okay, we have another uh, email question. This one is from Marion Watt in Richmond, Virginia. What if harassment doesn't relate to a protective class? Aren't there general laws about a hostile workplace? So some jurisdictions may have anti-bullying laws that uh, don't that may not um, be based on protected char characteristics. Um, but that's not to say that employers uh, should dismiss complaints that are made about harassment that are not based on a protected category. Um, again, I think employers and businesses, they have an obligation to ensure that their employees are coming into a workplace that is um, respectful, um, that is conducive to them being productive employees. Um, and if an employee is having an issue with another employee, or, or they feel that another employee is harassing them, uh, for whatever reason, and they complain about it, I do think that management needs to take those complaints uh, as seriously as well, and to look into them and to see, you know, maybe through conflict resolution, what they or some other type of uh, means, what they can do to address that sooner rather than later, so that it doesn't escalate. Thanks. Our next question comes from Scott Martin in Irvine, California. And he says, you mentioned taking a photo or saving emails for documentation. What types of notes or memos should I create if I don't have either of those things? Yeah, great question. So one thing we um, recommend is really documenting um, both the kind of, if it's a series of harassment, um, you know, the date, the time that perhaps the harassment occurs and all the details around that, so describing it um, as you would in a journal, there, but keep, uh, keep it pretty detailed. And the other piece of information we really encourage people to keep track of is um, kind of physical manifestations of the harassment on the target. So for instance, um, targets of hate frequently will experience, um, you know, trouble sleeping, headaches, um, uh, kind of chest 
just um, uh, racing heart. Um, all those kinds of things you should document um, or encourage your employee to document. Um, and, and of course, uh, if it's graffiti, um, taking pictures or um, otherwise describing it in written form. Um, thanks. We're going to move to a live question now. Uh, this is a question from Fred Carlisle. Fred, please introduce yourself with your business and where you're calling from, and then go ahead and ask your question. My name is Fred Carlisle. I'm an IT, I'm a, the IT director. I was wondering, is there something in place for a contractor working on government contracts uh, for issues like uh, employees being let go uh, uh, without a reason? Uh, I guess people hide behind the uh, employee, employment at will clause, and then uh, therefore you just never find out uh, what, what's behind uh, them letting you go. They don't have to answer. Um, so I just want to make sure I understand the, correct, the question correctly. You're asking about uh, employers who have federal contracts and they retain contractors. Um, and then they let go of the contractors without providing a reason? Uh, that's correct. Okay. Um, so I think that there are a couple of things, and this is sort of outside of the scope of um, harassment and discrimination, but um, just generally, um, you know, I think that there's a difference between a, a contract relationship. If someone is a contractor, then they're not, uh, if they're an independent contractor, then they're not treated as an employee, um, and the relationship is different. Uh, as uh, opposed to someone who is hired as an employee. But that being said, I think most states in the, um, in the country are at will um, jurisdictions, which means that an employer can um, hire or fire anyone for whatever reason. But that being said, obviously, an employer is not, uh, is prohibited from discriminating against their employees in the terms and conditions of employment. And so that would cover recruitment, hiring, promotions, terminations, layoffs, et cetera. Um, thank you. We have a, a question now from Harry Northley in Denver. And Harry is asking, what if the job that you are hiring people for has a specific gender requirement? For example, if you're hiring an actor for a commercial role, or if you're hiring a caregiver and the person be being taken care of has um, a specific request for the gender of their caregiver? So uh, it's an interesting question. Um, and unless the uh, qualification is a bona fide one, right, one that is absolutely necessary for the job, um, most employers, but not all, are covered by laws that say that they cannot discriminate against individuals on the basis of gender. Um, however, there may be um, um, jurisdictions that do not capture all employers. For example, you know there may be jurisdictions where um, uh, smaller employers aren't captured. But, but generally speaking, unless the qualification is a bona fide one that is necessary to carry out the job, um, and typically gender or any other protected category isn't, um, that's, that's unlawful. Um, okay, uh, our next question uh, is anonymous, and they have written, I have specific questions with regard to an ongoing discrimination and retaliation case 
and cannot seem to find legal representation. I've contacted at least two attorneys and two organizations, but have not had any luck yet. Do you have any advice for how I can find a lawyer? And that's something we can follow up with, if that's, if that's better. And we're happy to follow up with them offline. And we can provide resources offline. Um, okay. So Lexi, if you'd like, we can send you um, some information and you can pass it along if they provide you with their contact. The person can also go to um, communitiesagainsthate.org, which or our website, 8449nohate.org, and submit um, intake that way, um, and then we'll um, provide resources. Um, great. We just have one more question, and uh, it's pretty simple, uh, but it relates back to the um, Facebook example you gave. Uh, and this is from Martin Jackson in Covington, Kentucky. Would I be allowed to take a screenshot of a, of a Facebook comment and then delete it? Would that be a good way to keep this record? Yeah, I think um, you know I can't I can't say for sure, but that's definitely one thing we've done. Um, so that I mean I think I think that's definitely a good start. Great. Well, um, that is all the time that we have for today. Thank you for Darielle Rodriguez and Arusha Gordon. We really appreciate the time that you took today. And thanks to all the business leaders on the call for taking time out of your busy schedule to join us today. Please check your email for a post-event survey where you can let us know what you thought of today's call. And we'll be in touch early next week with a recording of the webinar that you should feel free to share with anybody who is not able to participate. Uh, thanks again to everyone. Have a good afternoon.